that's one of the things that I share with my employees is, guys, let's look at your current CV. And if you don't see that your CV is growing a year from now, you know, we failed. Because the goal here, of course, is to provide you with additional skills and a wider set of skills that you will get from uh, being in a larger organization. Pleased today to be here with Joshua Bahar. He is the Chief Executive Officer at Mobile to CRM. Welcome, Josh. Uh, hello, uh, Josh. Uh, well, thank you. How about if you, you know, tell us a little bit about your background, how you ended up in the CEO seat at the company, and we can go from there. I was, uh, you know, spent several years in the military, and then twelve uh, years working for a multi-billion-dollar New York Stock Exchange listed corporate. Yeah, I started as sales manager, Latin America. Uh, quickly rose to a VP sales in America, and then to the head of global and corporate sales. And, and formed this top sales position, then I moved and I took leadership over our largest uh, global account that was generating 40% of the corporate revenue. Later, the co-founder and CEO of a consulting division of with over 1,600 global employees. And since then, I had the chance to lead three different companies. Two and a half years ago, I stepped into the CEO position of mobile to crm which is very uh, exciting, and, uh, and I will share later why. So a lot of the folks I speak to are actually founders or co-founders. So as someone who, you know, came in as the CEO, what in particular attracted you about this opportunity? Uh, so I can tell you, going back to my days as a sales leader, I faced a lot of uh, a lot of multiple challenges. And the first one was lack of visibility among the sales people, you know. Uh, they operated remotely, they used their own private phones, and most importantly, they hated updating the CRM. Uh, you know, the typical response, I'm not a secretary, I'm a salesperson, I manage everything in my Excel spreadsheet. And, and once it's going to uh, uh, be more serious, I will update the CRM. And the second challenge was attrition. You know, salespeople tend to alternate company once in one or two, three years and they go away and they take some of our your best customers with them. So when I came across mobile to CRM, I was excited because we solved some of these issues. So in, in particular, how are you addressing those issues? How are you making life easier for the salespeople and for the people who manage them? Perfect. So uh, what we developed really a robust cloud-based platform and we, add, we keep adding more products. So the first product is mobile to CRM and really allowing you to the organization to capture business-only communication from the employee, bring your own device without invite, in, invading his privacy. So once you capture those communication, you can collect a lot of very important insights. In terms of what you know, the companies can do and from the company perspective, if they implement this into their their roadmap in, in terms of success tools for their employees. Where is the where where is the return? What do they have to invest in it? And sort of, you know, how does it play out in over time in terms of best practices for for a successful implementation? Right. So uh, the return can be really across different use cases. Use case number one is the whole compliance, which means is that yes, people can use their single phone instead of two phones. Even if it's a company-provided phone, 
that can still use this phone now for also for personal communication and separate between the personal and and the work related communications and and, and meet the compliance requirements so this is step number one step number two or benefit number two, if you have this uh, uh, 1099 uh, workers or if you have a temporary employees, many times in the insurance space, I see it during the, the months of December and January, there's a lot of renewals. You bring a lot of temporary uh, employees. You definitely do not want to provide them with all the bells and whistles, which are very expensive to set up, especially if these guys are remote. You can provide them with actually with a seller, with a seller uh, phone and they can use this phone uh, like they are uh, a full-time uh, uh, W2 uh, type employees. So therefore, you have very good visibility into their activities, how many calls they received, how many calls they initiated. Uh, you can listen to a recording of the sessions. Uh, there is a lot of insight that you can uh, uh, get out of this uh, specific uh, device. So thinking about your own product roadmap, you know, what, what is the evolution of this? What's the, the sort of future of this technology? Right, so overall, we are looking to add more and more uh, channels. Uh, so for example, adding more communications uh, built in, into that and definitely adding more intelligence and uh, either, either direct intelligence that we generate or, or intelligence that we're going to generate uh, to partners. And, and I think the combination of that, of bringing a, a much tighter um, uh, integration with these platforms will provide additional insights and will help uh, the company go, uh, to, uh, to go to the, to the next level. So just to, to shift gears a little bit from the sort of from the technology and the use cases um, and, and, and your own role as a CEO of a company at this stage. So you know, you've been with the organization for a couple of years now. How, how has your role evolved um, since you started and, 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 you know, what are your primary areas of focus currently? Right. So I, I, I you know, that's my uh, third company that I'm leading. And it's always very, very demanding, especially in startups, to uh, keep changing your hats because at the beginning, you know, you're trying to uh, you're trying to be a jack of all uh, trade. And, and later on, you're becoming more and more focused. And I always take the same strategy. When I start a company, I'm trying always to do uh, everything once, because when you do it once, you learn uh, about the difficulties, you learn about, about uh, what it involves, and then you can actually transfer this knowledge, bring someone else and let him take it from there. What about... Um insurance domain expertise and and maybe understanding some of the subtle nuances of the industry and how um you know companies would 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 want to implement that and probably a sort of different but related but being an israeli company and it sounds like you've got quite a bit of global experience in your background but um you know understanding what elements of of um, process and how people buy are are similar across markets, and then you know what needs to be tailored uniquely for U.S. buyers. I think, Josh, that that you're hitting it on the nail. We definitely understand that there is many things that we don't understand, and you don't understand what you don't understand. 
And, and, and one of the things that I'm looking is, it's one of the reasons I'm looking for distribution partners in specifically in the US, because they, I expect them to help us to, uh, 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 to help us in, in going in this uh, insurance uh, space. And, and that, that's why, and the second thing is also the strategic partners I'm, that I'm looking not just for funding, but also with guidance. So we're investing a lot of efforts to increase our knowledge. You know, what has been the approach to capital raising within the business? And, you know, there's obviously been some changes in the environment over the last couple of months that I think do flow all the way through, you know, earlier stage investing. So, you know, how are you seeing the market right now? And what what is your approach to, to capital raising more specifically? So, when I build the company, you know, I, I, you know, if you look at the executives that that are in this organization, you will see that most of them are very uh, uh, experienced individuals, and and uh, and the approach we took from the beginning is to be very frugal or to be very careful on our expenses. You know, we don't operate from the fancy offices. Uh, you don't see us uh, driving luxury cars, and you don't see us splashing money. And that was from the beginning. And, and again, it's coming from a lot of scars from uh, different companies. Uh, we all went through cycles of ups and downs, and we know that we need to uh, make sure that you're humble from the beginning. And, and that's always a good, a good trait in general, not just for running company, but in general in life. And if I'm going and looking at our investors, uh, we have um, some very serious investors, all private investors, by the way, uh, that uh, invested in many companies. Uh, some of them did uh, over, you know, 16 or 20 different exits, so they know their uh, their work uh, very well. Uh, we are meeting on a weekly basis, and we spend hours together, so there's no ego involved. It's just uh, uh, a pure joy, I can tell you, to work with such experienced people. Just one more follow-up on that. So, you know, you mentioned the large number of you know, broad competitors in the space and how does that impact sort of the calculus versus uh, of, you know, take more money and, 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 and grow with negative cash flow because you have to sort of make the land grab and establish your brand ahead of others versus, you know, either in the extreme case, you know, grow a business that's going to cash flow from day one or, or sort of somewhere in the middle where you've described your approach to be. Well, I, I think overall you need to find your niche. You need to find, uh, you know, your specific value, and and that that's where we're putting our efforts. And you need to be more agile and nimble than others. I, I guess that uh, and 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 so investors will be more picky for sure, and uh, and the competition might be stronger. So it just means that you need to do a better job. And, and I can tell you overall, I can see that uh, we have 95% retention rate, which means it's once people are joining their, uh, joining and getting our service, yep. very few ever leave, which is a good sign for us. We don't take it lightly. We highly appreciate it. And, uh, and, and we do our best to, to maintain this uh, very, uh, very high number of, 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 uh, of, of happy people. And it goes back to the philosophy. The philosophy: if, if a customer complains, if a customer has issues, you listen. And if you if you need to provide the discount, you provide the discount, even if it impacts your PNL, because again, you're you're here for the long run, not for the short run. 
Great. Well, uh, Joshua, it's it's been great having you on. Is there anything we didn't cover today that you would like to share with the audience before we wrap up? I, I think it was great, and and I really enjoy uh, talking to you. A lot of uh, very enticing uh, questions. I just want to, in closing, just uh, if I can, again, that anyone that's listening to this podcast and uh, and either want to work as a distribution partner in the U.S., if I was able to entice your uh, uh, your uh, interest, please send us an email, you know, to joshua.bihar at mobile2crm. Or if you're a strategic partner that's still uh, open to help with funding and guidance, uh, we are more more than happy to, uh, to, to, to learn and, and to work with you guys. All right. Well, Joshua Bihar, CEO of Mobile2CRM, thanks so much for joining the podcast. Thank you, Josh. Mm-hmm.